Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Nectar edition of like a ThinkPad, essentially. That's lit. <laughs> it truly is. You know what, Joe? When, you know what also is lit? Inside the Cylinder, your go-to Detroit Pistons podcast. Members of the Lineups Podcast Network. All new episodes can be found on DetroitBadBoys.com and Lineups.com slash podcast. Uh, the best way to get in touch with us is either on our new episodes that go up on Detroit Bad Boys in the comment section there. Or you can tweet us at Inside the Cylinder. C-Y-L-N-D-R, excuse me. And this is David Fernandez, writer over at Detroit Bad Boys, and actually wrote an article. So I can say that uh, affirmatively. Um, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Joey Mack. Joe, how, hey guys. how are things in Deshaun right now? In Chicago? Uh, well, it's warm. 40 degrees, and people are excited that the Bulls, they're young, that the Bulls <laughs> are young, they have a lot of good pieces, they're winning some games, specifically against Detroit, and so as a Pistons fan, not the best. So right now, the Pistons are 4-10. We are recording this episode following that loss, their second loss to the Bulls, Um Joe, you watched a bit of the Hornets game. I was not able to watch that game live, um, but I know that that you tuned in and you know you were a, a strong witness of that Malik Monk buzzer beater. Is that not correct? That's actually not correct. I did well. So yes, I watched the first half when the Pistons played well. Uh, Mom was actually in town, so I had to spend some quality time with her during the third quarter and the majority of the fourth quarter. And then saw that it went into overtime and happened to tune back in on my phone immediately when Malik Monk hit that three. So that was the story of my Friday night. Well, at least you spent some time with mom. Um, And my Wednesday night was filled with Pistons. A lot of Pistons. Um, And as we just mentioned... Some would say too many. Yeah, definitely too many Pistons, but also at the same time, not enough. Like, clearly not enough Pistons. Um, They were blown out by the Chicago Bulls. Uh, After four days rest, and with Blake Griffin and Derrick Rose back in the lineup, uh, let me just see here. There, I just want to pull up the score of that game, because it wasn't close. Just give me one. Let me ask you this, because I know that you just watched the Bad Boys 30 for 30 documentary. I did. And and obviously a, a big part of their process of 
getting to and winning the championship was winning games against the Chicago Bulls and formulating the Jordan rules. Did the Pistons Chicago Bulls matchups of, of like the mid to late, late 1980s remind you at all of like the uh, Pistons Bulls matchup tonight or like the Pistons just like their overall dynamic? Yes. I mean, I mean, clearly, you know, you have like Blake Griffin versus Laurie Markinen, uh, Wendell Carter Jr. versus Andre Drummond. We're talking Dumars and Isaiah Thomas, Thomas versus Michael Jordan. Like, I don't know the difference. Like, I mean, honestly, like, on paper, probably pretty similar. Um, I think at least, like, defensively, the Pistons are pretty much on par. Oh, yeah, yeah, With the, the Bad Boys Pistons and this current iteration of, of the Detroit Pistons, the 2019-2020 Pistons? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I mean, lunch pail. Going to work. Going to, I mean, yeah, I, I can't tell the difference, um, except for the fact that they've allowed 109 points to the Chicago Bulls, who were either second to last or dead last in uh, offensive efficiency going into this game. So, um, yeah, not a great loss, especially considering the amount of rest that they had going into this game. They had some practices. They should have been ready, and frankly, I don't know if they were or if they weren't. It's kind of hard to tell with this team whether or not they're ready or not, or if they just stink. Um, I'm, I'm starting to think it's just the latter, honestly. Joe, what about you? Well, it's a combination of, of things. For one, I mean, Tony Snell is hurt, so that's another guy down. 20 points. And yeah, you know, they lost 109.89, so that's around what he gives you. <laughs> well, and also, it's not clear that Blake Glyph, uh, sorry, Blake Griffin's actually healthy. He looks to be laboring a bit on the floor, and he's pretty atrocious on defense. So we're not getting the same Blake that we had last year, and Andre Drummond's play has fallen off. So I think that, uh, you know, the chemi- chemistry is just uh, not in balance, and everybody seems to be lost on defense. So... I think it really like comes down to guys being healthy and spending enough time on the floor to be in sync, and they're very out of sync, and it's hard to watch. Yeah, they are with this with Tony Snell being out of the lineup, um, the the starting lineup. Um, this is now the seventh different starting lineup this season so far in fourteen games played. So Detroit has had no rhythm when it comes to. Their starting unit, their bench units. Um, we've talked about their turnover problems, which definitely has something to do with that. Um, it reared its ugly head again tonight. I believe they had 16 turnovers. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, there's definitely a reasoning for why this team is so out of sync and why there is no rhythm on the floor and why it feels like I wrote about it in like the the preview like it feels like you see new lineups like I don't remember seeing that guy play alongside that guy or like these three guys playing together on the floor at any given moment that's because they probably haven't just kind of given the the types of uh uh you know availability situations that have been out there for Detroit so far this year um but at the same time they're four and ten. Like I, you, you can write down all the excuses and all the reasons to why this team hasn't performed well this year, and there are a ton of them. But at the end of the day, 
they are still 4-10, and and right now they are tied with the Cavs for second worst in the East, and they're only a half game ahead of the Knicks for the worst play, or the, 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 uh, yeah, for last place in the Eastern Conference. So, I don't know, Joe, any, any thoughts on any of that? Well, I would just note that some of those losses were blowouts, too. Like, the loss to the Hawks, we lost by 17. Um, you know, obviously it was a, a buzzer beater against Charlotte, but tonight it was a blowout against the Bulls. The Heat was, like, pretty much a blowout. We kind of make made a, a comeback there at the end to give us some hope, like some Detroit lions type hope. But we all knew that eventually we didn't have enough in the tank to win it. So that's of main concern to me is the fact that they aren't, you know, super competitive games throughout. And then somehow we just find a way to lose. It's just the writings on the wall that this team doesn't have it down. And it's not clear that they're approving upon the things that they're, you know, significantly lacking. And uh, you would just hope that after four days rest and all that practice time and going through the motions together, that it would look at least better, especially against a not great team in the Bulls. So um, not a ton of cause for optimism. And, um, you know, you would just hope that a guy like Blake Griffin would come out and, and, and play better. But at the same time, we don't want to have to rely on him to will us to wins against teams like the Bulls. Yeah, I mean, the, you said it all right there. Um, also, the Wizards was a blowout loss that, that the Detroit has suffered so far this year. So, and that's, yeah, I think I might have already said this, but that's five straight losses for Detroit. And, you know, I, I think one thing that you sort of hinted at, Joe, Blake didn't look very healthy uh, throughout this game. There were parts of the game where I wasn't necessarily sure whether or not it was like an energy thing or an effort thing or if it was like a health and movement thing. I think as the game went on, I was like, oh, no, he just frankly doesn't look like himself out there. Um, And I think that's a question you really have to ask yourself about this team and the long-term like viability of this like roster as it's currently constructed. It's like, I don't necessarily know how many healthy games, like truly healthy games, we're going to get out of Blake Griffin. You know, we, we talked about it in the previous podcast. Who knows what's going to go on with Reggie Jackson. I mean, he's pretty much just like a an afterthought at this point. There's so many other problems going on with this team that you're not even necessarily talking that much about Reggie Jackson. And then... You know, Derrick Rose is always a question mark. Now you got Tony Snell missing some time. So it's like, yeah, I mean, this just might this just might be the worst case scenario. I mean, so far, it clearly is the worst case scenario for this team when it comes to an availability standpoint. And moving forward, I don't see it getting much better. Yeah, I think with Blake, it's a combination of conditioning and just getting back into like the flow of the speed of NBA games like every other for the most part every other player on the floor has gotten that 10 games or so of rust out of their systems you know while he's like still trying to get to that point so it's not necessarily like utilizing load management throughout the season where you give a guy a couple days of rest and then he comes back and he feels healthy and like himself again like he's really trying to catch back up to speed while playing with uh 
a new set of guys on the floor as well and uh, trying to figure out uh, their games like Derrick Rose and in the new and improved Luke Car- uh, sorry Luke Kennard so um, combination of factors there but really we're getting to the point where it, it might be too little too late at some point in time right we're four and ten um, nothing really seems to be meshing and there is a pretty large crowd out there who wants us to uh, blow it up because they don't see things trending in the right direction. So, um, you know, I guess we'll chat about that a little bit and, and see if there's any cause for hope with this current roster this year and, you know, well, mostly this year. Yeah, and, and I heard this from uh, Laz over on the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. I don't know would like your thoughts on it, Joe. Um, he said something along the lines of, you know, this team isn't even 20 games into the season. You know, they're not a quarter of the way into the season. I refuse to hit a panic button or to... Um, and, and panic is, you know, you can kind of take that whichever direction you want to go into. Um, but in general, essentially, like, I re- I don't want to make a decision about anything um, holistically until we're at least a quarter of the way into the season. Do you... Um, prescribed to that or is that something where it's like I mean you know just in general I mean we saw what Detroit looked like last year when they were a quarter of the way through the season they were you know 13 and 7 they looked great and then they had an eventual uh, long fall that you know was prodded up around January or February whenever it was and then they ended up making the playoffs do you think that the opposite sort of applies here where it's like hey you know really slow start but at the same time you know Pump the brakes, give it a few more games. Maybe they can right this ship, especially because they do have some winnable games, whatever that means, seeing how they've lost all of those winnable games so far this year. Yeah, I would 100% echo that. And I, I, I feel like like there have been um, like tweets that have come out about the state of Detroit sports just like in general, and I think we're the only – uh, we're the only city slash state with four teams who are un- under 500. We have like the worst record percentage wise between all of our franchises in comparison to all any other franchises um, in the United States over the last couple of years or so. And so I think there is just a major appetite for some winning and some success. And in you know, like the current state of Twitter and social media and, and Facebook and access to information and the ability to speak your mind on like an internet platform, people are extremely quick to want to turn the page and get to a point where they can at the very least feel that their team has potential and look at young guys that they can build around. And I don't blame people for feeling that way, but at the same time, it does create this reactionist culture where like after a couple bad losses or a string of bad you know six or seven bad losses people want to completely blow it up and i don't think that's i don't think that's right especially in a situation where injuries have played a significant factor i think at the very least we need to give guys time to come back from injury and see if over the course of 10 to 12 games they can figure it out so um, yeah, I, I would completely agree. I think 25 games is, at the very least, what we should provide guys like Derrick Rose, who s- signed with the Pistons because he liked 
the players on the team and thought that something was there. Guys like Blake Griffin, who's still figuring out how to play with guys like Derrick Rose. And, uh, you know, Luke Kennard, who has a new role now. So I do think we have to give it time, but I also don't blame people for not wanting to watch the current team. Yeah, I guess my largest concern and why I would, you know, I, I wouldn't consider you and I and, you know, a lot of members, you know, of the Pistons Twitter community, the Pistons community at large, um, to be completely reactionary. I think there's been a lot of people who were really excited, you know, even talking about people on like Detroit Bad Boys staff, um, they were really excited about this this team going into this season. Um, but with the losses that they've had so far this year, not only the amount of losses, but the quality of losses that they've had so far this year, you know, we're literally coming off of a 20-point blowout to the Chicago Bulls when Detroit had four days of rest. Um, you know, they haven't really played, as you and I were talking about before we recorded, Joe, any true contenders other than however you feel about the Sixers so far this year. You know, just looking at their upcoming schedule, you know, going into, um, you know, the end of uh, November and December, you know, they're going to the Bucks. They got uh, the Bucks at home. They got the, um, the Mavericks at home. They or they, yeah, they host the Mavericks. They go to the Rockets. They got the Raptors at home. They go to the Celtics. They got the Sixers at home. Like there's a slew of games coming up here soon throughout the next like month and a week where it's like eh, I haven't seen anything so far from this team that makes me think that they're going to be able to not only win the games that are quote unquote winnable, but also take away you know steal some games against some of the clearly better teams in the league um than this detroit pistons team so i guess that's where for me it's like hey you know i I think i've seen enough out of this team to to know that they ain't got the juice this year that doesn't mean that like you set the house on fire but at the same time it's like you got to start making some plans for the future um, just because, I mean, for, in my personal standpoint, I don't see it. I, I don't see uh, an avenue for this team to really string it together. You don't see a championship team? No, no, no. But that's not, you know, Joe, that's not what we were talking about, right? Like, that's not what we went into this season talking about. We were talking about, you know, maybe the fifth seed. But, you know, more realistically, the sixth and the seventh seed, hopefully you play a little bit better um, win a couple games in the playoffs and you know continue to build continue to build and hopefully you can find your route to a contender a la I don't know like the the going to work Pistons or the the Raptors you can find a disgruntled star and finagle a way to like get a trade in there to to bring that type of player into your um, establishment so I mean that's not what you were thinking that's not what we were talking about so you know that's not that's not what it is. It's just like uh, I see this team fighting and clawing to be the twelfth seed in the East right now. Yeah, I understand. I was I was being sarcastic about the championship thing, but like I I think at the very least, and you may want uh, want to wait to get into this, but I think giving Blake another fifteen or so games will at least get him back up to speed and raise his trade value because right now with the way that he looks 
other teams across the NBA have to really be questioning what they would want to be giving up for him where he's at at this moment and, and wondering with a guy that has his sort of injury history, if he's back to the Blake that he was last year, if he's a guy that's going to be sitting out another, you know, 30 or so games this year, really there's a a massive question mark around there. So I I think that in the better interest of at least waiting to see whether or not we can develop something this year and also developing our internal talents to figure out, trade destinations and possible returns, um, giving them another 15 or so games is, is probably our best bet. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would completely agree with the sense of the strategy. And I guess as to put paint the picture here, this episode is more so geared towards, like, what are the Pistons supposed to do now? This is more of, like, a free-flowing type of conversation. Um, and, Joe, I mean, I would completely agree. It's like, you, you can't trade Blake now um, if that's the the first domino to fall, or at least like the largest domino to fall, because he hasn't proven that he can get you the best return that he's able to get you, at least from what you've seen with him in a Detroit Pistons uniform. Like if Detroit were to trade him last season when he was balling out of control and you know was he was an All NBA player last year, yeah, you would have gotten a great return. Um, this year seeing what we've seen out of him in only three games played, it makes no sense to 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 move him right now at, at the you know what they should be doing honestly if that's what their game plan is going to be is to rest him as much as possible so that he can come back and actually look like himself or at least look as close to possible as that version um, because what we saw tonight clearly wasn't it. Um, so yeah, I mean he's already missed 11 games so far this season. He's going to be missing more as the season continue continues. And, and, I mean, this team hasn't proven that it can win without Blake Griffin, holistically speaking. And they, can, they can't even win with him so far this year. So it, it just seems kind of like a lost cause for Detroit holistically moving forward. Yeah, and you just wonder if he can figure it out. I mean, so defensively is really the, the major weak spot for us and um i have concerns that it's going to take him a while because he has been a rock for us defensively at least his ability to switch out on guys and uh, you know guard guys that andre isn't particularly well at guarding so uh, you know but he hasn't been able to switch like he doesn't have the sideline to sideline quickness or just the mobility to be any sort of defensive stopper. So I, I do wonder if, it, you know, if and when he can get back to that Blake of old that can provide us some flexibility on uh, on defense. And, um, you know, these are all questions that we're asking ourselves. And, I mean, you said it earlier, but this really is the worst case scenario. And leading up to the opening week of the season, we knew nothing about Reggie Jackson's injury. We knew that Blake had like the flu during training camp and missed like a couple games in preseason, but didn't really know what the issue was. Um, Thought that Derrick Rose would be fine, at least for the first 15 or 20 or so games. 
and uh, everything's pretty much falling apart. So now <laughs> here we are trying to pick the pieces back up and figure out the best course of action uh, moving forward. I, one, one thing I will mention before we move on with the podcast that uh, there has been some noise about is Saku Demboya averaging 18.5 points a game, shooting 41% from three for uh, the Grand Rapids drive. And that's one of those young guys, 18 years old, who we would potentially be building around if, if we did decide to go that route. But we you know, will build around him regardless in the next five or six years. But um, looks like he's the real deal. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely hope so. Uh, you know, he's uh, a bright spot uh, right now in the organization. He's looked great in the highlights that I've seen out of Grand Rapids so far. Um, you know, I, I mean, the, the, the good thing is it's like the Detroit did take a long-term view when it came to what they were positioning or what they were trying to do so far um, or what they were trying to do this past draft. So I'm definitely happy with what I've been seeing out of Siku. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, I mean, that's great. You know, it's uh, I, I don't necessarily know if I want to bring him into the Pistons right now. I mean, what would you want to do, Joe? Would you rather have him kind of chill there in Grand Rapids and sort of like keep developing his skills, keep, you know, uh, not necessarily feasting uh, on the G League, but being productive, seeing the ball go, you know, in the hoop? Or, or would you rather say, hey, you know, this season is shit. Might as well bring him in there and just kind of let him run with the wolves. Uh, I, his defense is just really concerning and <laughs> For sure. that is the Pistons concern too. So that'll just make matters worse. If, if we're at a point in time where we just decide, Hey, let's just mine internally and see what kind of product we have. Uh, then yeah, so you, I, I think he needs to play minutes, um, at the NBA level throughout the season sporadically, um, at least pull him up, let him travel with the team, let him get into the game. It's like an 18 year old Giannis, you know, you, you saw flashes of a guy that could be really, really good. Um, that was like a bad bucks team. And, uh, you know, so he got more opportunities than Dumbuya had, although this might be a bad Pistons team. So like, maybe you just bring him up, give him that NBA experience. And, um, you know, I think, I think we'll really know with him um, based on the next two or so weeks with the Pistons, whether or not he, he should be provided that opportunity. But so far, so good with him in the G League. Yeah, I mean, Jordan Bowen as well. You know, I mean, he's definitely a position of need. He plays point guard. Um, he's a lot older than Dumboya. Uh, he's averaging 18.5 points per game, uh, shooting f- roughly 50% from the field. 42% from three and has an averaging nine and a half assists per game. Like that's a guy to me more. So it's like, you're older. Like you're a second round pick. You're, we're not investing the complete future with you, but at the same time, if you can prove that you can carry out a niche in, in this team, um, be better than Tim Frazier, who I believe is averaging 20% from two so far this year. I saw a stat, and don't pull out, don't do the math and pull out the calculator on me. This is all just from what I remember seeing on Twitter. I believe he's eight of 37 from two so far this year, Um, (laughs) which is fucking atrocious. So maybe you pull in Jordan Bone, and, and he's your third string point guard, honestly. Um, he's on a two-way deal, so you know that has cap, cap implications after 
Uh, I want to say 50 games being the limit. But still, I mean, that's a guy that I think that, you know, might be seeing some run here in Detroit in the next 10, 15 games or so, depending on how these games go. So, I mean, those are a couple bright spots that I am hopeful about with the team moving forward. I guess, you know, with this particular team, Joe, we, we've talked about it. We've kind of played a little, I don't know, like ping pong right now. Um, or should I say table tennis? Um, when it True. comes to like, you know, some positive stuff. We also talked a little bit of the negative stuff earlier. Joe, if you were to pull the plug on this season, you're Ed Stefanski and you got Tom Gore's lakered up. So he's actually listening to you right now. Um, what would be <laughs> what would be your like first move that you would pull um, to kind of like get the ball rolling on? Not necessarily like a blow it up, you know, light the house on fire, hit the reset button, hit the panic button. But what would be your first move, kind of looking towards the future, if you were able, if you were to do something? Well, so who has value that we aren't? So, like, Luke has value, right? But, like, we're not going to trade him because he's young. Sure. Um, outside of Luke, there's Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, D. Rose, and Tony Snell has some value, I think. So that's a December 15th time uh, timeline where it's like you can move, you can trade away the players that you signed in the offseason. So that's when... Um, Rose and Snell would be available. So you're thinking like maybe around that time period, start answering phone calls, making phone calls about like a D-Rose, possible Tony Snell trade? I I think both of them have a lot of value. Like a guy off the bench who can score in bunches like D-Rose, although he does have the injury history. um, If you manage that properly, that's invaluable. Um, And he also deserves to play competitive basketball, not be like withering away for a shitty Eastern conference team. So, um, yeah, I, I just think, I think like Blake Griffin doesn't make any sense right now, just cause we need to give him time to like, if, if get back to, to, to Blake Griffin of old from a conditioning and just NBA speed standpoint, just to make sure that other teams understand that he's, you know, that's the product they're getting. Um, with all that being said, I mean, Andre Drummond might really be the guy that you get rid of because he's younger and he's healthy. He's always healthy. And teams just know what you're going to get out of him. And that's the real domino that would fall for a rebuild would be Andre. Because everybody else is, like, pretty expendable. And, you know, Blake Blake's window is now right like we're he's not the guy that we're i mean i guess we're semi building around him right now but like by building around blake that's signing d rose and getting marquise morris and that's clearly not working at least right now like this early on in the season so um you know he's not the big building block that you're getting rid of if you're blowing it up i think it's andre drummond and so i think you'd have to trade him and um you know hopefully get some value in return what what is what is your thought process on that yeah i mean i think that just kind of paints the picture for how delicate of a situation this is right now you know with andre drummond he is essentially in a contract year he has like a 28 million dollar player option so the team that's going to be acquiring him would either 
have to take like the have to truly know that they're going to be the ones to re-sign him in the offseason should he in the offseason should he um, opt out of that contract um, and, and you know and then if they're not like let's say it's a team that's like just trying to make a push right now and they'll kind of see what what happens after the fact um, you know kind of like uh, what happened with uh, Tobias Harris this year like or last year like Tobias Harris was it was a contract year for him um, he uh, was traded to Philadelphia from the Clippers and the Clippers were like he's our guy we're going to resign him so it would kind of have to be like a similar situation like a Tobias Harris um, where a team's like no that's our guy we want him now for a playoff push but we also want him a part of our long-term plans then then Detroit would sort of net the types of assets that you would want in return um, you know, like a player, or a draft pick, like you know, something that that's going to to be productive for you um, in the near term and in the future. So, um, I mean, it's really delicate because Andre Drummond's like value across the league is kind of strange. It's hard to perceive. It's hard to you know. You hear good things about how other GMs and other coaches talk about Andre, but then you also hear how a lot of the analysts sort of view Andre and it's not like they're dummies. So it's like, and Detroit hasn't necessarily won a ton with Andre as a centerpiece. So there's some valid questions. It's not whether or not he's a really good player because he is. It's just like, what can you get in return and what do other teams see with him, you know, kind of moving forward. So, I mean, that's just like a testament, as I was saying, to just like how delicate the situation is and how it's not super white and black, um, you know, just what what it is that you're supposed to do. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think, Joe, I agree. I think your first moves, if you're looking to sort of start a, at least a soft rebuild, is to pick up the phones on Derrick Rose and see what team needs some bench scoring immediately because he would be valuable on a lot of teams in the NBA right now. Um, and then just kind of let the dominoes fall from there because I don't think it makes a ton of sense to like part with all of your expiring contracts because then you're bringing back bad money along with some possible assets and with some like assets. But then it's like that's now you're kind of going more towards like a full on blow it up type of situation in my opinion. Yeah, and, and and then at some point in time, you have to look at trading Blake, Griff, uh, <coughs> Blake Griffin um, because he doesn't want to play for a, <laughs> a, a, a seller-dweller Eastern Conference team, and uh, it's Blake Griffin. So he's got value, and, and you know it's really a matter of like who's a proper trade suitor for him, and I the, the the rumors have always been Portland's, but Portland just signed Carmelo, and based on where Blake's, I don't know, I don't want to say athleticism, but like his mobility is right now, like he doesn't, he's a little bit redundant with Melo, like just what he provides you offensively and and sort of defensively, and like are those two guys that could really function well on the floor. Um, so I don't know if that's the greatest fit, and and I haven't done any sort of trade machine stuff and looked at it, other teams, but I do wonder like what we can actually get back for him, and and who's, you know, who's going to make that trade? Yeah, I mean, I I completely agree, and I think one thing that that I also kind of want to just get out there is 
Detroit, while I did just say maybe you shouldn't be in the position of offloading your expiring deals um, or in like a Blake Griffin situation, maybe like picking up some really bad dead money um, to, to uh, um, get some future assets, you should look at like Detroit's current roster and like their young pieces. Like there are not a lot of guys that you can look on look at on this roster and say that they're going to be on this team in three years. Like Luke Kennard, you would hope he's going to be someone that this team decides to build around. Siku Dumboya, definitely someone that you hope is going to be on this team for a long term and you're going to kind of see out the process with him. Um, But then after that, it's like, does Bruce Brown have a home in Detroit? Does Christian Wood have a home? Does Svi have a home here? It's like... Does Kyrie Thomas have a home? It's like they don't really have any other guys that you can be look at. It's like, hey, you know, at least there's like a semblance of a young core here. So maybe Detroit really should be looking at just acquiring as many low first-round picks, protected first-round picks, you know, second-round picks as possible for, you know, the assets that they do have. And, and it's just really a, a tough call just – for all the reasons that we just listed about Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond, specifically because those are their two best players. Yeah, that that's that's a bleak situation. And then you also have flashbacks towards the years before the Andre Drummond Reggie era, when, well, and also kind of during that, um, when we just had six or seven straight years of bottom lottery to like mid-teens draft picks and it's like well you know are are, are we actually gonna get <laughs> a guy in, in the top five or six like are we gonna get a good draft picked are we gonna get a future pillar of the organization that we can build around because traditionally speaking that hasn't been the case for this team and that's a very negative outlook on rebuilding but it's also the facts of the uh, you know the organization's draft prospects in the past. So uh, you you really wonder like if if we're going to go back into the purgatory of mediocrity if <laughs> we tried some weird rebuild. So there is some um, some definite pessimism there, especially considering the guys that you just listed like Christian Wood, raw potential, yeah, but you know he's already twenty four, I think. And he can't play defense. Bruce Brown is, who knows? I, I, I haven't seen any sort of major leaps and bounds with him. Although I, you know, I did mention in a previous podcast that he can kind of play the point guard position. So maybe the, but that's like as like a third point guard insurance option. Um, and that's it. When you compare that to a team like the Bulls, who have Kobe White and Laurie Markinen and uh, Wendell Carter Jr., and Zach Levine, and even, like, Shaq Harrison. Like, there's just so many guys on a lot of teams um, that are pieces, and we're severely lacking those pieces. So, um, not to get, like, dark on it, but there are question marks if we decide to rebuild, um, you know, as well. And a lot of that does depend on the return for players, but... Then you have to ask yourself the question, like you brought up to me, David, if you're trading away a guy like Andre, a lot of teams are going to want to shed salary and they're going to want to shed years on contracts. Is that what we really want in return? Do we want to strap ourselves with a 
couple extra years of some guy that we don't really know is going to be the dude that we want to form our team around. Yeah, to to get a first round pick, like that's the question. It's like they're in a. I mean, we we painted the picture. They're in a really tough spot with. I mean, at least they have their first round picks moving forward. Like those belong to Detroit. That's not necessarily a benefit. That's just like a baseline. It's like okay, that's good. Um, but at the same time, it's like, man, it, it is tough because they are like it, <laughs> they. Even if they wanted to go full blown, blow it up, it's like you you have to play this balancing act with Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond of what their value is going to be to other teams. Um, so I don't know, Joe. I mean, I, I think right now where we both found each other in this particular episode is a lot more questions and answers, but at least we're able to speak out loud and at least hear ourselves talk about a little bit more about how complicated of a situation this is for Detroit and it is truly a worst case scenario but you know who knows maybe five years from now or two years from now even three years from now we look back on you know this sort of like period in Detroit Pistons basketball and be like that was a, a an area or like a uh, a space in time where it's allowed the rebuild or you know some hope to be implanted in the future because some moves followed this um, you know pretty pretty poor time when it comes to what you're seeing on the floor with the Pistons basketball. Hundred percent, man. All right, man. Well, you know I don't really have any answers after that, but I do know you can find us on Twitter at Inside the Cylinder C Y L N D R. Um, new episodes on DetroitBadBoys.com and uh, lineups.com slash podcast. Um, all of our new episodes are on all the major uh, you know, podcast feeds, Spotify, Apple, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Play. So check us out. Um, and hopefully, Joe, will have a little bit more clarity the next time we record about you know, what it is we should do or where the team stands because this past week was a rough one but that's all i got (laughs) yeah yeah same man um who do we got next in one um i believe it's the bucks and then the hawks if i want to say my memory serves me no it's the hawks and then the bucks back to back friday saturday hawks bucks then monday magic so the next time we record We'll probably be following the uh, Hornets game, or maybe it'll be Tuesday. It'll probably be that Tuesday after the after the Magic game. Um, so keep an eye out for that new episode. Um, who knows? Maybe Detroit rattles off a few wins in a row, and they beat the Bucks, and Joe and I are all happy, and things are looking good. But uh, I doubt it. Um, all right, I'm out. Peace. All right.